you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, man, we're back. The Player Podcast. Logan Ryan here with another episode. You know, I like to call myself a tough dude. Playing nine years, 195 pounds, tackling people, corner safety, whatever you want to call it. But, man, I just think I got beat out with this fullback we have here. And to think that one of our first guests on the Player Podcast is going to be a fullback, but he's not your normal fullback, man. We got Alec Engel from the Raiders here, man. What's going on? Appreciate it, Logan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would have made it to the league if I wasn't tough. You know what I'm saying? So it's it was no athleticism involved. It's all about toughness. So uh, <laughs> I had to do what I can, man. I, I know. I, I mean, obviously, man, you guys are a dying breed for sure. But I mean, let's just talk about. You know, you went through a tough injury. You honestly went recently got hurt, and prayers to that. And we'll talk about that. But for you to show up and do the show, man, I mean, you're the best guest ever. Torn ACL <laughs> and still commits to do the show. Uh, man of his word, I see. Yeah, man of my word. I think that's just how I was raised. It's how I grew up. Uh, it's just how my dad taught me how to do things. So, you know, I, I'm this whole ACL journey this, that we're about to go on, the whole team that, you know, obviously, you know, you have your agents, you have your, your teammates, you have your support system, family, friends. You know, I think we all kind of know we're on the same page. And, you know, one of the biggest priorities I have in my life is giving back. So, you know, any way I can use this injury to inspire somebody else and keep yourself accountable while you're going through it. I mean, that's going to make everyone's lives a little bit easier, hopefully. So, you know, I, I don't think whether it's two days after it happens or two months or two years after it happens, you know, someone could hear a message and feel some sort of support and motivation from it. So, you know, that's, that's the blessing, the curse that we have in the league, you know, with these injuries and, um, but it comes with a platform and a responsibility. So, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, you summed it straight up. Like, I have a lot of friends and homeboys. I, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm playing for the Giants right now. I'm back home. And a lot of people are like, man, Logan, like, you never really changed. And I always said, like, the NFL kind of allows you to be who you truly are, who you want to be. Like, if you want to have this jet set in life, you can do it. You might go broke, but you can do it. If you want to be all over the place, you can do it. If you want to treat people however bad, poorly, like, you can do it. But, I mean, a guy like you to go through adversity – couple of days after tearing his knee, hell of a good fullback. Um, and then look at perspective, think about others and still being on a show to give back and let people know to keep pushing forward. Like it shows you that, man, when you have money or fame or wealth, like your true colors show and you're such a good dude, you're still trying to think about others. Like that's, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate that, man. Yes. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if it's a J Cole lyric or something. He's talking about the same thing, man. Money just makes you who you are and brings it out. So yeah, I know that the shield really works hard. And, you know, I think when I look into my locker room, it's only year three for me. I know you've been around a lot more locker rooms, a lot more people, but you can definitely see the impact that the little things have and the little details I'm starting to pick up on, you know, everything in the locker room. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, all of a sudden getting reached out by 30, 40 players. And it's like guys that you might've been just at one training camp with or three years so far, everyone's hitting you up like, Hey, I, I went through this hit me up if you ever need anything and like that brotherhood's real and it's something that 
you know, I'm kind of going through for the first time and like leaning on those guys, a part of that brotherhood, you know what I'm saying? So it's going to be a learning process, man. It's going to be a little learning curve, but we'll be all right. And, you know, I hope that, you know, we, we keep this part in because this is just real raw conversation. This is not what we were supposed to talk about on this episode. I mean, we'll get there, but I mean, I, I got nothing written down, man. We're just talking and it's just anybody listening who's a fan who's an athlete, who's a high schooler. Like, I understand we have our deep-rooted fan bases, but there are players you can root for. There are players that are doing it the right way. There are players that go out there and don't care about the stats. They're trying to lay it on their line for their team, for their fan base. And, you know, you go out there and lead block. Like Josh Jacobs, man, he's a, he's a monster. He's a monster. But you had to play against us. So we played, and it's fourth down or third down and one. And we have a defense call to trap the flat. And you have a great play. We can't stop it. You have two guys leak to the flat. And you're out there. You catch the ball. And, like, I'll, I'll shoot. Like, we got a, uh, a fullback in the flat. Or Dory Jackson feeling he's about to get trucked. And you hurdle him. And and I've never seen a fullback hurdle anybody. Where did that come from? Uh, man, I did that one time in high school. Uh, I used to play quarterback, believe it or not, back up in Green Bay. So I was running that thing all the time. And I, I jumped over somebody my senior year. You know how camp goes. I think it was year two of camp. I'm trying to, you know, create a role for myself. You know, I was the the fullback that just runs people over. And I hit that in practice when we did like a little crack replace drill. You know, it was just duo. You get the ball, corner's yeah. got to come up. And I just jumped over the corner during practice. So that gave me some confidence to, you know, anytime I got some space, I need to do something with it so I can get the ball again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you got to inspire the play caller. If he's going to throw a fullback in the flat, like – and it's not going to Darren Waller, or Josh Jacobs. Like I got to do something with it, bro. I remember that play, bro. I, I literally looked at a Dory, and I kind of hit him with the buddy from from the Last Dance. Like I kind of hit him with the yeah. palms up emoji. Like, hey, I mean, what you gonna do? You got to give it to him, bro. And it's just like, I thought he was gonna run me over, bro. So hey, you know, we'll we'll, we'll give him credit. But that was a y'all got a good offense, man. Like you said, you have Josh Jacobs. Derek takes great command of that offense. Waller's obviously a monster. You. Um, you guys got a good team, man. You just got to keep them in there, you know, keep them involved. Uh, I always say that my best quality as a player is it doesn't show up on pro football focus. It's giving the quarterback a hard time pre-snap, but it's really making the players around me better. I know mm -hmm. what Dory Jackson so well. I know James Bradbury so well. They tick differently. I know how to get them going. I know how to challenge them. I know how to encourage. You know, I kind of feel that from you, but, you know, obviously in the position you're in now to keep those guys going and, and make them better. It's, it's, a, it's a force multiplier, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, when I'm on the field, I think I had that same conversation piece with Josh, um, just pre-snap, just letting the running back know. I mean, they're all over their P's and Q's, but like, I mean, you know how it goes. You get hit like 30 times, you're getting tackled. You know, those guys, sometimes that reminder of what to do, how to do it uh, can really change the outcome of a game. And that's not showing up on pro football focus either. You know, if I'm telling them to go the wrong way or whatnot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll have to stay involved. I'm going to stay, you know, obviously got to help have this whole, Right now, it's kind of tough. I would say it's the toughest part for me, this injury, because I don't have the game plan written out yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you don't you haven't picked a surgery date. You don't have the rehab spot. It's a lot of wait and see right now. But, like, once we get this game plan in, then it's like, okay, this is where I'm going to be at. This is how I'm going to attack it. And I feel like then you kind of get this path back to the league and back to where you were. Right. And it's um a big part of that is going to be, hopefully, with my guys on the team, with the Raiders and and being a part of that culture that we've been trying so hard to build. A lot of it goes to the cliche, like you don't know when it's your last play. You don't, you know, to don't take it for granted. And, you know, I, I tell this story, I, I broke my leg in um, 
in 2017. I, I played in New England four years. I signed a three-year deal in Tennessee. Uh, first year with Tennessee, I was trying to just kind of find my footing, fit in a locker room. I mean, obviously, it was, it was a, a decent player for us. But the second year, I really blossomed. I, I was a leader, came out. I was balling. I signed a three-year deal. I knew I wanted to negotiate after two. Like, I, I did everything. I know I'm on my P's and Q's on the contract, all that. And I'm balling. I got, like, four or five sacks and tackles and big plays. I'm covering number one receiver. And we play the Giants, coincidentally or not. We're shutting them out. It's 20 to nothing. It's garbage time. I'm in there. Saquon falls. I'm on top of Saquon. Someone gets thrown into a pile. Snaps my leg. I think it was a high ankle sprain. And I walked off the field. I said, bro, my ankle's killing me. Yeah. Like, let's go get an x-ray. It's garbage time, right? Snap my ankle. Done for the year. I go to talk to the Titans in the offseason. Like, yeah, we had an extension coming, but we kind of want to see you play off the ankle. You're getting older. You're 28. We don't know. And I went into mama mentality, bro. I went to mama mentality. I started working out, like waking up at 5 a.m. I started walking my neighborhood. It was all hills. And I would walk 15 minutes a day. Then I started jogging 15 minutes a day. Then I started running. And I started running two, three miles in the off season, like three, four times a week. And they told me it'll build a bone density back in my ankle. And I became a better player. The injury was adversity. And it, it just made me a better player. And I, I thank God for it because I came back. I came back better. I came, my upper body was stronger. My lower body was stronger. My, I woke up early in the mornings and it kind of just fueled this in me. And I had my best year of my career that following year. And so, I mean, I, I think it's how you view it. And I have a relationship with Dak Prescott now. I have a relationship with Saquon, kind of talking through these injuries. But I think sometimes when injuries come as, you know, with adversity. Yeah, this, uh, that's big inspiration for me. You know, uh, undrafted guy, This I have five more months left on my deal. You know what I'm saying? And I right. can't do anything about it at this point. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to find that mama mentality. And it's going to be that decision. Like we're talking about this path that's going to be laid out. And you had to walk, jog, you know, I'm, I'm going to scratch, claw, fight my way back into the form that I know I can be at. So, you know, I know that my man, I look up to Brandon Copeland a lot, big off the field guy, big financial literacy guy. And, you know, he, he dropped a bomb on me. He was like, man, you make it to the league. You start to realize that not a whole lot of people are wired the way that we're wired. He's like, right. you gotta, you gotta buy into that. The other people, you know, and I'm not saying just people in the NFL, but when you find that little piece of wiring, that's just offered you know, someone has that inspiration, that motivation. It's like, you can, you can dig into that. You can find that story, that inspiration piece everywhere. You don't, you don't have to expect other people because of their job title or how much money they've made or whatever to be wired the way that, that you have to be to, to get back to greatness. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think it, it, it really, as we transition here, it really boils down to attacking everything on and off the field. Like you go at it wholeheartedly. Like I'm married. I have two kids. Um, I have a foundation an animal rescue. And as a football player, as a leader and a captain, a lot of like I attack my marriage. Like I, I try to be the best husband. 
I, 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 when I come home from work and my daughter wants to bounce on a trampoline, as much as I don't want to bounce on a trampoline, sometimes I bounce on that trampoline, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I just attack fatherhood like that. I you just, you're wired to give it all you got. Like, and that's how you are. And that's somebody, you know, they gave me a list of guys to pick to come on the show. And they said, this, this podcast is going to be hosted by a real player, an active player like me to bring new energy and let people know what it's really like in the league. You know, the real story with me, I don't know if you know about me, but this episode is going to be a little bit about our community work. And I chose you on a list. I chose you on a list. I don't even think we played you yet. I think we just, before we played you guys, I chose you on a list as a guy that I wanted to talk to because, you know, we'll, we'll dive into what I do real quick. So I, I started the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. It's a foundation I, I started with my wife. My then, she was my fiance at the time. Quickly about me, me and my girl, we met in college, sophomore year, college sweethearts. I get drafted in New England. She moves in with me. She's a softball player, an athlete. Kind of didn't really know what she wanted to do. She was doing some uh, personal training. She was doing some softball coaching. Ashley Ryan, by the way, Ash, I love you. And um, she just tells me, hey, I'm going to go work at an animal shelter. Like, I want to work with animals and work at an animal shelter. Like, I'm like, dope, cool. I don't care. Like, she was paying her own bills. She took a job. It was like minimum wage, bro. She's making nothing. Sweeping kennels, blah, blah, blah. I go visit her on Tuesdays. I bring lunch, hang out with all the dogs. I'm like, dang, this is sad. It's messy. It's stinky. It's cold. These people don't get paid nothing. Like, they don't have it like we had, right? It was real humbling for me. Yeah. And I saw my girl, like, sweeping kennels. And I saw these dogs, bro, and they were not getting adopted. Like, nowhere time soon. Like, there was the same dog there every week. So I had this idea. And I always think my best when I first wake up. And I had this idea. And I'm like, yo. I'm going to start taking pictures with these dogs. And I started putting pictures and put on my Instagram. And I was jersey number 26, 26 every month, Ryan's Monthly Rescue. The first year, 12 dogs, all 12 got adopted. All of them like blind, deaf, been there over a year, never going to get adopted. They all got adopted. Shelter started hitting me up. Hey, can you come take pictures with our animals? Becoming like a thing. I'm driving all over Massachusetts, Connecticut. Fast forward, you know, that's in 2014. I was just doing that. I can get into more of the story after, after the fact, but fast forward 2017, have an animal, uh, animal nonprofit, 501c3, raise money for shelter animals, adopted dogs, adopted pets, one of the biggest animal nonprofits in sports, one of the only minority run animal nonprofits in sports. And I was just taking pictures with dogs. So, you know, that's just me. That was just a great idea I had and support my wife and my love and, and going for it and say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Now we talk about adversity. We talk about you being undrafted. We talked about uh, the the injury, the ACL. Now we're going to talk about your calls, adoption. You were you were adopted, correct? Yeah, I was uh, adopted at birth, my man. Adopted at birth. So interracial, adopted at birth. Tell me what was that like, and 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 tell me what your you know your upbringing was probably much different than uh, a lot of people's. Yeah, I mean, first I gotta say it's it's cool to hear you know, you're, you're bringing your story in because it was so organic. Like it was your idea. You woke up yeah. and you did it. And I think that's, that's something that I've learned short, this short little period of time I've been on this platform, been able to, to do something. It's organic. It's got to come from your heart. You know, we can't have a script. We can't write down bullet points on what we're going to talk about today and have it mean anything. When I'm doing adoption stuff, that's me. That's organic. That's, it's my story. I know it. Getting adopted at birth, you, you don't really understand anything different. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I found, you know, my forever home from day one. I have two amazing supportive parents that I'm going to lean on a lot in the adversity that I have right now. But uh, just growing through your early life and, and having two 
you know, I don't know if they're five, three, five, four, you know, white parents in green Bay, Wisconsin. Like I, I'm the darkest looking kid in, in that entire state, in the entire city. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not a whole right. lot of black kids there. I am who I am and I am what my upbringing was, but being adopted and looking different than your parents, obviously, you know, it, it opened up some identity stuff for me. Like I'm, I'm going off to college or I'm making a big decision on where I'm going to school, what position I'm going to play in college and big life decisions. I've always kind of viewed myself one way and all of a sudden I'm going to a new area and people are viewing me different because they don't know who I am. I haven't shaken my hand and introduced and spoke yet. You know what I'm saying? And like some people might get caught off guard on how I speak. Having those identity issues, you know, kind of growing up, you kind of learn how to, to suffocate it, leave it be, don't talk about it. Um, you want to be a strong, tough football player. You want to be de- dependable for your teammates. You don't want to bring any of that stuff into the locker room, right? And, right. you know, going through kind of those hardships of, of adoption in my own way and having that, that anxiety or that perfectionism that I, I have eventually I learned that speaking on it and being relatable to somebody else, you know, means the world. And I think that's what my cause, my cleats is, is amazing about the NFL is like something as little as the cleats we wear every single day can spark a conversation like this. And then, you know, an adopted kid or that's in a foster care home that, that I get to meet from Colorado over zoom, you know, we can just chop it up and talk like this. You know what I'm saying? It's not about the millions and millions of people that, that might be impacted by a certain, you know, situation. It's that one kid. It's that one dog you took a picture with and right. that relationship that's real, that's organic. And that's how I've been able to fall in love with being able to, to talk about foster care and adopt us kids and kind of building that relationship out. So, you know, my own adoption story, just because I made it to the NFL, all of a sudden these kids in foster care, their, e- their ears perk up like, Oh, he's adopted too. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, I, right. I can go be great and do whatever. I don't need to use this as an excuse. And, and once you're able to kind of connect to those kids at, at a one-on-one level or a real level and, and be like, man, I had the hardest time looking in the mirror sometimes. And I cried myself to sleep sometimes because I didn't know who I was. And they're like, man, I, you know, I did the same thing, but now you're in the NFL, you know, maybe I can go do something. Maybe I can go be an astronaut someday. And, and just seeing that inspiration, that motivation kind of come out of those kids uh, has been a real joy and blessing in my life. And I know that's something where, being able, I won't be able to wear those cleats this year, but it's something where, you know, we can have conversations like this and, and maybe someone else decides to maybe adopt a kid, maybe a teenager, maybe a, you know, a, a kid right down the street that they didn't even think about, you know, going through a foster home. So man, it's, uh, it's organic, it's real, and it's opened up a lot of opportunities of conversations like this. Yeah. I mean, organic is like you say, you, you, you nailed it, bro. You should be the host. Organic is the word. Um, it's got to come from the right place. And, and like me coming in the league, I was like, man, I know I want to give back. Like, I know it's in my heart. Like I tell people all the time, at this point in my career in nine years, I learned that I'm a humanitarian who's good at football, but the other business endeavors I have off the field are all to help humanity, all to help people. I love my animal lovers, dude. Like that transcends Jersey color. Like every, like, if you love animals, I probably rock with you. If you don't like animals, I probably don't trust you. Like it just, <laughs> there, there's so many good people and I always said when I got into it, bro, I'm going to be a voice for the voiceless. Like, I'm not just going to say, hey, man, like, I, I, I donate and I wear cleats. Like, I'm in it. And when I was picking a guest, I said, man, we got to choose people that are actually in their cause. They're actually are making a difference. And that's why you stood out, because you being adopted and working with adopted kids, like, you actually are someone who's living it. You're actually someone who's actually 
speaking breath into those kids and not just appearing well PR wise, not appearing well publicly, not doing it for your brand. You're doing it to, to do the right thing, whether you're famous or not, whether people know you or not, not for the followers, you're doing it because like you said, it comes from the heart. It's all we can do, man. It's, and it's, uh, it's cool to be, you know, a fullback that, you know, shouldn't mean a whole lot undrafted and, and you're able to have little moments here and there where you get a hurdle and then all of a sudden someone scrolls down and it's like, Oh, adoption like what is this and having that link there and then it's like you know it all plays on each other and just being a, I, I mean you know I think adopt us kids right now they're just talking about how many kids are going through and once you hit that like 10 12 13 year old mark it's like you're like that you're not going to get adopted and it's just that that inevitability of it and being able to see foster homes and, and foster kids and the way that they are able to find some sort of hope when you have conversations or all of a sudden you, you bring a little bit more light onto their cause or a little bit more light onto sharing life experiences and that support system. Cause we're all going to go through adversity. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with it right now. You've dealt with it with your broken leg. Everyone's going to have adversity. And some of these kids that when they start driving a car, when they go off to college, when they get married, they're going to need somebody, they're going to need somebody to be with those life experiences and, and share that with them. And to, to find some family that, that might just take a chance on, on being a parent uh, of a kid that might not be there is, is uh, it's a special, special thing. You got to be humble, humility, right? Like we're, we're, we're blessed to do what we do. Look at these kids, like the odds of them, you know, their upbringing, like we all need somebody to, you need a seeing eye dog. Everyone needs a seeing eye dog in life. Some, everyone is your parent, your adopted, uh, your foster parents or your parents, you know, that, that, that brought you in and gave you a chance. Like everybody needs that in their life and you gotta be willing and open to that seeing eye dog. Some people can be so, so shut off and not want any help or not or not be so mad at life that they don't see the people are there with a helping hand and what that can mean. Like everybody's guy that came to the NFL, everyone who's came to some point in their life had somebody help them get them there. Big facts, yeah, I, that's, the, that's the support system I'm leaning on right now. You stay who you are. You stay where you're from. And like you said, you know, you can do whatever you want in life, but when adversity hits, what are you going to fall back on? It's those people. It's the people that you committed to from two years old to eight years old, to, you know, where you're at today. So it's always about the people, man. So adopt us kids, obviously uh, a big, you know, a, bi a big network that you promote to help kids get adopted, help people find homes, um, bridge that gap. Did you ever think about, starting your own nonprofit, taking that next step. I know it's a big, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know why to do it. And I can tell you the story on why, why I did it. But I mean, a lot of players aren't informed. We're not taught in college. How do I start a nonprofit? Um, how do I go about it? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of that next step or, you know, from helping this cause to I'm making it my own cause or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think uh, I'm, you know, obviously I've reached out to, uh, to a foundation, someone that's, you know, going to help me set that up. But, uh, the biggest thing that, you know, she's got to write all the bylaws and got to get all this, you know, yeah. filing all taken care of. So it's just another person that's going to be in that support system that is real. You have that conversation and you can bond over what you're trying to do. And, you know, I, whenever this foundation ends up being finalized in the next you know, month, two months, I, I have a little bit more time on my hands now. We'll see when that happens. But I think the coolest part about it is there's going to be a lot of partnerships. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of places like adopt us kids where we can work together. Yeah. And before we go, I mean, I'm telling you, bro, we're definitely over our time limit. 
but hopefully they keep it all because we're just chopping it up. So I like, I don't got no producers in my ear saying, you know, but it's like, we're, we're chopping this up, man. It's a real organic conversation. I'll give you some quick advice and I'll give you a quick story on how my foundation went from taking pictures to an actual foundation. So love that. You, you heard, you heard what happened, taking the pictures. Uh, you fast forward, me and my fiance now are going to St. Lucia for our wedding. I recommend a small wedding, dude. I don't know if you're married, but that's what <laughs> I did. Uh, a small destination wedding, just immediate uh, family members, her mom and dad, my mom and dad. Go to St. Lucia. We go there, boom, boom. I invited no NFL friends. Nah, y'all can live Zoom it. I'm not dealing with y'all. I'm not flying y'all out. I'm not flying her fan. No, nah, we're just going to yeah, be yeah. like eight people. Right. So we go out to St. Lucia, beautiful country. And uh, we're at this nice resort. We get married on top of the, of the mountain there, the Pitons. And we have this beautiful wedding and then dance on the stars, like out of a, out of a fairy tale, uh, very, very expensive for a very small wedding. And <laughs> Ashley's like, Hey, I want to do a trash to dress photo shoot. I want to jump in the ocean with my dress. And I'm like, we just spent like X dollars on this dress. Why are we trashing it? But I'm like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah. supportive spouse, yep. happy wife, happy life. Another advice yep. I'm going to give you right now, free game. <laughs> so I go uh, we're walking through Sufri, St. Lucia, the town. And you know, when you leave any resort in a, in a country, like it is like, not like the resort, poverty, yep. straight animals, homelessness, you name it. And we're walking through the streets and we're taking, well, my wife wants to take pictures through the city till we get to the ocean and jump in the water. And uh, they're like, hey, the photographer is a local. He's like, hey, whatever you do, don't give the street dogs, don't give them any food or pet them because they won't let us work. They'll just follow us the whole time. Mm. So I'm like, yes, sir. As I say that, I look over and my wife is on a knee getting licked in the face by a street dog, <laughs> right? And so yeah. I'm looking like, what the? Too late, the bro. Really was like, oh, this is great. And took like a photo, boom, candid shot. Boom, we go, we trash the dress. We, we talk to people on the beach. I'm playing soccer in a suit on the beach. And we get back up to our, our, our resort at the top of the hill. And we're sitting there, we're like, yo, those stray animals, yo, this don't feel right. Like we got to do something. So we end up contacting Help Paul St. Lucia. They only had one animal shelter in the entire part of St. Sufri, St. Lucia, or the country, I might, I think. And the owner of the resort's daughter ran the animal shelter. So it was a small world. So we get her number and we're like, hey, what do you guys need? And they're like, um, we need money. And I don't have a foundation at this point. I'm just, this is me taking pictures with dogs. I'm like, all right, cool. So we made a donation and I had all my friends back home. I say, yo, in lieu of taking wedding gifts, just donate to help Paul St. Lucia. So they donate, the US currency adds up to their currency. It's like tens of thousands of dollars in their money, like upwards. Wow. I, I get on my flight. I did my good deed, I felt, got married, honeymooned, helped, uh, helped out the animal shelter, jetted out of there, didn't make a big scene about it. I landed, I turned my phone on and that, that photographer posted that photo on IG and he talked about how American football player came to their country for a week and raised upwards of $70,000, $80,000 in their currency. It picked up all their, it picked up 30 to 40 dogs, 40 to 50 stray cats. And that dog that was licking my wife in the face, they named Logan in my honor. And they said how this American football player came to their country and helped solve the, the stray dog issue uh, temporarily and that photo went viral and it got covered by Huffington Post, the Dodo 
probably ESPN, New York Times, it went crazy. And I'm getting blown up when I, when I turn my phone on. And everyone's like, yo, how do, we, how do we donate to you guys? How do we, how do we donate to St. Lucia? Like, what do we do? And me and my wife looked at each other. And I'm like, we got to take these donations and help out all the shelters we know that need help. I kid you not, two days after I got home from my honeymoon, I started the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation just to take the donations that people were trying to give me because they read a story that went viral that I not intend to go viral. I didn't post it. I didn't do anything about it. I was on a vacation. I just did what I saw was right in the moment and donated privately. And that all came out. And that's why I started my nonprofit four years ago because of that story. And that's what ju- that's what just me to take it from just, hey, I'm doing this in my on Tuesdays to let me start a nonprofit and, and step up. And like you said, and my nonprofit has grants, um, programs, and we help other shelters. We help people that are doing the work every day. We highlight them. We, we donate to them. We have them apply to our grant programs. We help people retain their pets. So that all grew from taking pictures of a dog that I saw at a shelter seven, eight years ago. And then the next step grew after my wedding of seeing some stray animals in a different country. And if I would have walked a different way, I wouldn't be here right now. If I would have walked a different way, I wouldn't have this foundation. I wouldn't have this fan base of animal lovers. It's just doing what I felt right in the moment. And I didn't want to start this nonprofit. I didn't want to, I didn't envision that. It's just kind of what happened. I just took life's blessings, you know? Organically. <laughs> Organically. And you're able to do that. You're able to, 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 to shine light on all the adoptions, charities and shelters and all, all that stuff, man. So, I mean, your story is like, I'm talking about adopted animals. You're talking about adopting people, dude. You are adopted, undrafted, biracial, fullback, who came on the show after the knee injury, man. Like, people need to understand how real and how good of a dude you are. And what this podcast is going to be about is highlighting and talking to dudes like you that are really doing it the right way. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate that. You know, it, when you start listening all off, you realize why the chip's so hard on that shoulder. You know, you're definitely inspired. I, I appreciate that story because, you know, I think I can learn a lot from the way that you stepped up and the actions you can take can, can really just organically, you know, I keep saying that, but it can really catalyst. You can be the catalyst of change in the world and people want to see good in this world. I swear people want to see good. So to be able to have what you have and what you're doing right now and attacking your family life, your professional life, your humanitarian work, you know, I think that's what the brotherhood's all about. I think it's what this NFL, the shield has blessed a lot of great people with and, and the opportunity to share your purposes, to share your messaging and to do great in the world. Coming off of this conversation, you know, I'm ready to attack this, this uh, recovery, this knee injury, and then, you know, starting this, this nonprofit up and, and really trying to do things the right way. Yeah. So, I mean, Alex, you spoke so much about it. Where can people get involved? Where can people contact? How do people get in touch and, and support you and your cause? Yeah, I think number one is going to adoptuskids.org. That's the number one thing. They have all their programs for adoption and foster care support, donation, whatever you want to get involved with, uh, adopting yourself. Uh, they have it all there. And then, you know, the, the personal stuff is just alecandgold.com. You know, you can follow on social media. It's probably where I'm at the most time nowadays, Twitter and Instagram, and um, just trying to keep spreading the good words. So any way you can tap in is a good way to do some good. Yeah, man, that was awesome. And like I told you at coin toss when you called tails and you deferred and I wanted to defer and yeah. you kicked the way that I wanted to kick. 
I had to say, man, you got lucky. <laughs> you got lucky, but I was mic'd up. I hope they keep that. I hope they show that. But, um, you know, you definitely inspired me today. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm going to definitely lock in with you, grab your number, and we can stay in touch, man. But this was, this was awesome. All right. All right, brother. Thanks for joining us on the NFL Players Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow at NFL Players Podcast on Instagram for the latest player stories and to connect with the NFL Players community. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.